be in the Gospel of John in chapter 16, and we're reading verses 1 through 15 this afternoon. John chapter 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But, excuse me, but these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. These things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Where goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, who will, will not come unto you, but if I depart, he will, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Nevertheless, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for, the, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and show it unto you. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you that we can come to you in prayer and in faith, and know that your word is true. And understand that Jesus Christ, the very living Word of God, has brought these truths unto us. And that the Spirit of God, most ably, teaches those things to us, having confirmed them upon our own hearts, even those words of truth that Jesus has spoken. And so I pray, Lord, today you will bless us and encourage us in the things of Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, we see it's, uh, in some sense, a continuation of those uh, things concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit, as the Comforter is also mentioned here in verse 7. But some other subjects are brought into view as well as we look at this uh, passage here in the first 15 verses especially. And uh, we'll be looking at them uh, this afternoon under the theme here, of persecution will come. Now I suppose when we hear such a title as that, we immediately think the worst of things that could happen to us, as many times, of course, throughout the ages, many Christians have suffered great and severe persecution for their faith. And in the United States, uh, we have had 
little persecution on the same level as the first century Christians did suffer. But that is not to say that persecution won't come here in the United States. In fact, we find that it seems to be looming more and more upon the horizon as there is a greater cultural decline of Christianity and the effects of Christianity in the world and a greater animosity against those who preach Christ and want to stand for the truth of the Word of God. And so we might well expect that uh, persecution is very much imminent within the United States, even as it is, especially in other socialistic and communistic countries. And keeping in view that uh, the powers that be today are leaning more strongly upon socialism and a kind of democratic socialism, as they want to call it, but in turn, it will turn into communism. We find that those kinds of governments do not tolerate anything that is uh, different than what they are putting forward. And so persecution among Christians is uh, very much a, uh, a threat Uh, not only in the United States, but it is, of course, in India, it is in China, it is in Russia, and the Ukraine, and uh, other countries where there are more authoritarian governments and uh, those kinds of uh, regimes that will not tolerate Christianity in the true sense of it. And so we we have to realize that persecution is something Uh, that we should expect. Not to say that uh, in many ways uh, believers today in the United States don't already suffer some persecution because wherever we find the cultural uh, mandates are against us, then there is a silencing of believers and so also a kind of um, persecution uh, from our peers or from the media or from uh, various censorship groups who want to silence uh, evangelizing and uh, truly preaching Christ unto a lost world. Uh, So we should keep that in mind. Uh, Today, of course, we primarily are looking at uh, the disciples as they were facing these kinds of of, uh, persecutions that were going to come upon them. And uh, Jesus even tells them about that. He says uh, persecution comes because of an unbelieving world. And uh, we know that uh, as we read the text here, uh, the Jews, of course, were against the early Christians. In fact, Paul himself uh, was a persecutor of the followers of the way, as it tells us in the book of Acts. And he himself admitted that he was a persecutor of the followers of the way when he was uh, before his conversion, when he was called Saul. And we find that the Jews, of course, wanted to kill Christ and ultimately did so because uh, they felt very much threatened by him and did not want to lose their religious and political standing with the Roman government. And, of course, they didn't want any overthrow of the status quo in their own religion. And so uh, we know that they were against him. Uh, We also realize that the unbelieving world is an unforgiving world. And we find that uh, when we look at the text here, we'll see that the early Christians uh, were thrown out of places where um, they might have gathered together, such as uh, Paul would go to a synagogue 
um, and there try to proclaim the scriptures in the Old Testament. But ultimately, the disciples would be thrown out of the, of the synagogues. And, uh, and when they began to meet together under the Roman authority, of course, uh, they would be disbanded or they would be uh, hunted down and uh, they would be required to worship the emperor under, under emperor worship, um, to offer sacrifices unto idols and to various kinds of things such as this. And uh, it became an affront uh, to the Christians and of course they suffered because of it. We'll also look at uh, how the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so Jesus himself, in coming uh, and bringing these great truths to the disciples and to all of us who believe now, we find that when he would be victorious over, over sin and over death and over the evil one, uh, this would be the result. That is, uh, the Son of God... Uh, because of the preaching of Christ in the world thereafter, we find that the gospel would reprove the world of sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so this gospel that would be preached would reprove the world of sin. I would say to you today, if you go out and you start preaching that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, if you start telling people that they're sinners, if you refer to the moral failures of mankind, if you begin to point out certain uh, definite sins that, that are in our culture today, you would be reproving sin by the gospel of Christ as long as you're preaching Christ and you would not be very well received, for sure. Um, of righteousness, well, Jesus Christ is the only true righteous one and as he himself became that one who would uh, set forth the, the true standard of righteousness being the Son of God who came into the world, we find, of course, that he uh, would also reprove the world because of the righteousness which he himself did set forward as a standard. Now remember, the, under the Old Testament law, the righteousness was of the law. But now, since Christ has come and he has fulfilled the law, then he himself, showing himself to be the Son of God, sets forth that righteousness. And we will all remember that in the Gospels of Christ, Christ exceeded the Old Testament law. He exceeded it. Uh, the rich young ruler who came to Christ and says, I have done all these things from my youth. And Jesus says, uh, in exceeding the very law, he says, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And he went away because he could not do it. He could not become a true follower of Christ, the true Son of God, the Messiah, who was revealed. He could not do that. And so it is that everything that Jesus taught exceeded the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, and he would become himself the fulfillment of the righteousness of God. And how are we saved? But by the righteousness of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we find of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, judgment to come, we know that God would establish that judgment according to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, he would make that known unto them. And then the third element that we'll be looking at, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Um, we find that the comforter, as the Holy Spirit has come, is that one who would not speak of himself, who but rather would speak of Jesus, 
who would not be the witness of himself, but be the witness of Jesus. Who would not teach those things of himself, but would teach those things of Jesus. And that is the very thing that the, that the third person of the Godhead came to, to, to establish. That witness of Christ in our hearts and in the world. And uh, I would say that uh, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit today is within the Church of Jesus Christ, within the Church of Christ Universal. And so all of these people who are Christians, who are whether they be in China or India or in the United States or in Russia or in the Ukraine or in South America or in Canada, any who would be true Christians then are bearing witness by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ and that is the light that is being shined forth today and the salt which is seasoning the world. But what happens if we lose that work on influence of the Holy Spirit? You see, uh, once, once that is gone, a great apostasy and a great deception will, will overshadow the world. And uh, as we like to say, because of what the scripture says, that if the Spirit is taken out, then that means the believers are taken out as well. Now, just at what point in time that will happen remains in the hands of the Lord. Uh, he is the one who will say when he is coming again. And uh, that will be done in his good time. And so we have these three areas we want to look at. First of all, let us look at uh, chapter 16 and verses 1 through 6. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Well, the disciples, of course, were in this uh, transitionary period, we might say. They were disciples of Christ, but then Christ was going to be taken from them. And uh, as he would be taken from them, uh, he, Jesus is uh, t really warning them and telling them of things to come. He is telling them that um, because of his departure, and because of the hatred that the Jews have for him, if they continued to be followers of Christ, they would also hate them. The, those who would be uh, the enemies of the cross would also hate the disciples. Uh, and you may wonder, what is the motivation uh, that uh, Christians are hated? Well, this is the very thing right here. This is the thing. They hated Christ and they will hate you also. They hated Christ and they hated the early Christians. And they hated Christ and so they would hate the early disciples. And so we find that persecution becomes, of an, becomes because of an unbelieving world. And uh, as he says here in verse 2, they shall put you out of the synagogues. It is believed at about uh, 90 AD that uh, the Christians were uh, ostracized from the synagogues. And we see it right here that Jesus is saying this to them. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. They're not going to let you... Uh, have any uh, company with them in the synagogues. Now, of course, we know the synagogue was the gathering place of the Jews to read the scripture and uh, are supposed to have some uh, expounding by whomever might be the scribe of the time to do it. Uh, Paul often went to the synagogues, but um, we find that if other Christians went to the synagogue, now remember, these were Jews. That's why they were attending synagogues. 
the, the church uh, as we know the institutional church as we might call it that or buildings where, where Gentile and uh, of all, all persuasions of Christians might come whether they be Jew or Gentiles Romans 1.16 we find that uh, uh, those had not fully been formulated or developed yet we find later on that uh, as Christianity became much more popular under Constantine and uh, even the government began to say okay Christians can meet together we find many of these pagan temples were taken over by the Christians and made into churches um, and uh, of course other places of worship were established whether it be in people's homes or uh, or wherever they might have gathered um, so we find that that would come about but along about this time uh, there were still some who were meeting in the synagogues but he said that that's going to change they're going to throw you out of the synagogues in verse 3 and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the father nor me now what things would they do well they would kill you if they could because they think they're doing God a service and, and definitely they're going to uh, excommunicate you from the places of worship, the synagogues. Now, I suppose as we think about uh, Christianity today, there has been, I guess, some roundabout way of trying to excommunicate the church. It seems like during this pandemic has been an opportunity for those in authority to say to the church, you can't meet, and they use certain reasons which we already know uh, to say why you can't meet um, even though um, places could be left open where alcohol could be served places could be left open where gambling might take place or places could be left open where uh, various kinds of marijuana or dope or some other kinds of uh, medical treatments might be administered uh, but the church, well, it wasn't considered to be essential. And so they would relegate the church to other things, other places. They say, oh, you can, it's okay for you to meet on the social media. It's okay for you to Zoom somebody on a video. It's okay for you to be in your home as long as you wore your mask. You could wear your mask at home as long as you were, were careful. Now, I'm not trying to belittle any disease by saying these things. I'm trying to show you that there's other ways that government can uh, bring certain difficulties upon Christians. And um, I don't know what you call that, but I call it some coercion. And if coercion is a part of persecution, then there's some element of it there. And um, I believe that uh, as Christians, we have our first and foremost responsibility is to remain true to God and to worship as God has called us to do so as we gather together. Now I believe there's always been a way that we could safely do so. Uh, no matter in any kind of uh, medical problem, we could, we could find a way, if the desire was to, to meet, we could do so. In small groups. And, and uh, being careful. Wash your hands every time you get a chance, or use some hand sanitizer, or uh, whatever you wanted to do. But Christians could meet, and should meet. It is part of what we do when we worship, is to meet. But anyway, uh, let me just say this, that these things were to take place 
um, at the time when Christ himself was still upon the earth and at the time when he was about to be crucified and that he would go to be with the Father. That he would die not only upon the cross, a very terrible and suffering death, but he would be crucified and, of course, buried and rose again the third day. Um, this is uh, this is at that critical transitionary period, you can say, when the church was being born. He says the church is going to suffer persecution, and um, and I think that uh, many times when we live in an, a foreign society, we that fades to our background, that fades away into the darkness, and we think we're just going to be able to continue along the way that we have. Uh, but that is that is kind of a. Uh, 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 almost a, like a little fairy tale to some extent because it has not always been so. It has not always been so. I'd like to read to you a couple of occasions of martyrdom in the first century. And um, these are martyrs of, uh, of the arena. The names of three young men who were also martyred upon this occasion were Satur, Saturnus, and Secundius. When their, true, uh, when their turn came, they were led into the amphitheater. There all they had was the courage to call for God's judgment upon the persecutors, after which they were made to run the gauntlet between the hunters who had the care of the wild beasts. These men were drawn up to two ranks, and the prisoners ran between, and they passed, they were lashed and bruised, and afterward they were given to the tigers. Now, of course, the, you know, today the, those who like to talk about church history say, oh, they never persecuted Christians in the arena. No, no, no. That was just gladiator stuff, and they never really persecuted Christians in the arena. But, but uh, we know that from the early church writings that was not the case. They did persecute Christians in the arena under the Romans. And we know that um, God would have us to be remain, remain true and endure through the difficulties of persecutions. Uh, persecution, I believe, is coming to the Christians here in the United States simply because that we see these signs on the horizon that our cultural change is bringing many uh, hateful and intolerant uh, kind of acts toward the Christians and that they are not in favor of, of uh, the Christians especially in the preaching of the gospel of Christ well as we re continue to read here in verse 3 and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me so these are not only unbelieving and Jesus says to his disciples, they uh, are going to persecute you, they're going to throw you out of the synagogue, they're going to, to seek to kill you, and they think they're doing God a service. Uh, why? Because the Jews wanted to preserve their own viewpoint of God. And so uh, for the Jews to kill a Christian, well, that was, that was a good thing uh, to them. And uh, let us remember that uh, the jihadist Muslim groups want to kill Christians and they think they're doing a service to God as well. Uh, they think they're serving Allah by killing Christians. So 
That hasn't changed at all, a whole lot over these many thousands of years. Uh, so um, there are other groups today who think the same way. Um, and then, uh, of course, he says here, because, because they have not known the Father nor me. They have not known the Father in heaven. They're not only unbelieving, they not only think God is doing, that they're doing God a service, but they don't know that God, the true, the true and living God, they are serving another God. What other God is that? Well, there's only one other God that is known of. Um, and he's called the God of this world. But his name is spelt with a small G-O-D. And um, his, he is known as Satan, as Beelzebub, as uh, Apollyon, uh, and of course the old serpent, the dragon, many other names are given to him. And uh, he is the evil one. He is the son of perdition. Uh, he is the, the one who shall fill Antichrist with the motive to destroy everyone who does not bow before him or take the mark of the beast. And uh, we find that these, um, these various things are very much um, like clouds upon horizon, very dark clouds, and they're beginning to gather. Verse 4, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. So here is the witness from the very early Christians. The witness from the early, very early Christians was that persecution would come, and that persecutions would be ostracized and that persecution, uh, Christians would be persecuted and would be hunted and killed down. And that Christians would be, would be sought after by unbelieving people. And that Christians would be killed because they know not the Father and they do not know Jesus Christ. So here are all the reasons right here laid out for us. That's, those are the reasons that they want to persecute Christians. Those are the reasons. And uh, they are very much uh, in play today. Very much in play. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Well, I'm, I, I, was, I was with you, I was teaching you, I was, um, I was myself being established as the true Son of God and being known unto the world as the true Messiah of God. I did not tell you those things then because I was with you. But now, but now I am going to leave. Now I am going unto the Father. And it's this transitionary period from the time of the disciples being with the Master uh, to the master leaving and the church being established as the the true uh, organism uh, that would function within centuries to come, known as the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, would uh, take on this new role of preaching the gospel in in the stead of Jesus, as while Jesus is gone, while Jesus is is uh, gone into the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit would come, and uh, the church would be empowered to preach uh, the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation. And so uh, he was telling them of these things. Now, it would, of course, in, during this period of time, there would be many things that would take place. The disciples would be scattered. The disciples would have many questions. They would question their own um, 
master, so to speak. Uh, Peter would deny the Lord three times. Uh, Thomas would doubt. Uh, they would see one who was a betrayer among them. All of these things would be very unsettling to them, no doubt. But Jesus was giving them these words that they might remember. That they might remember. He told them about his death. He told them about his, his resurrection. He told them the things that would take place, about the persecution that was to come. He told them all these things that they might remember after he had left them and the Spirit of God had come. And we realize that the Spirit of God is that one that teaches all truth to those who are the followers of Christ. And uh, we'll comment more on that in, in just a moment. In verse 5, he says, But now I go my way to him that sent me. He's going to go back to the Father. And none of you asketh me. Well, you see, uh, they're probably somewhat tongue-tied, you might say. Uh, they've got all these questions, but they're not really getting many answers to suit them because of the, of the various turmoil that is upon them. Um, and so we find that these storms that would overtake them uh, would leave them without uh, much to say at that time. He says, where goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Well, it, that, I guess that is the natural outcome, isn't it? When we find that we have many questions and there are kind of a tumultuous time, a storm, as it were, is, uh, is upon us. Um, we don't know really what to say. We become sorrowful. We have a lot of questions. And the early disciples, they had all these sorrows and questions and doubts and, and so forth. Um, not because Jesus wasn't who he said he was, that wasn't the reason. It was uh, the turmoil was in them. The turmoil was in the hearts of the disciples. And there isn't one of us here that haven't had some kind of turmoil at some time. Even in our faith. You know, many people will brag about the great faith that they have. But um, I think that uh, that is uh, very dangerous to brag about one's faith. You're bound to be tested upon that thing that you brag about. And uh, the disciples may have felt very secure while they were sitting down with Jesus and, and talking to him and eating with him and having fellowship with him. But when he was hanging on that cross and dying for the sins of the world or when he was being scourged or when the officers were coming to drag him off, now that's a different story. Uh, that's when Peter found himself sitting beside a, a fire warming himself and some young girl said that you are one of the followers of the way and the first thing he did was saying, no, I'm not. I don't even know him. So, um, you know, our hearts are often uh, driven by sorrow and fear and the unknown. And, you know, Jesus even told them that these things were going to happen to them. He told them. Um, I, can't, I can't hardly think that anybody who hasn't suffered some great persecution or great trial or great suffering hasn't had these same feelings because it's only human to have them. It's only human. In verse 7, Nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. And so the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Because of Christ and because of who He is as the Son of God. You see, 
uh, he would accomplish uh, something that the Holy Spirit would later take on through the church and would bring souls to Christ. What Jesus did laid the very foundation of those things that salvation may be possible in the hearts and lives of people. And uh, we often talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ because it, the, uh, each one of those elements of the gospel which we preach are so instrumental in our understanding of what the gospel message is. How do we know sin except by the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of Christ. You see, we would not know sin if we did not have a schoolmaster, as the book of Galatians calls it. And it teaches us our sin. And so as um, many who would be evangelists often begin to preach in a way uh, to reveal the sin within the nature of, him, of man, that they might reveal also the grace of God that is able to save. You see. And so we, we need to know what sin is all about. Christ came to reveal that. Christ himself uh, suffered in all points as we do suffer, but yet without sin. Uh, the righteousness of, righteousness of God was fulfilled in him. And so we find that it was necessary for Christ to reveal sin. Now when it came, of course, to the Jewish leaders, we find they were relying totally upon the law. Paul himself knew the law um, inside and out, as we might say. But yet, when he fell upon the road in Damascus because of Christ's great light upon him, he knew immediately his sin. And he called out to the Lord. And the Lord saved him, wonderfully saved him. And, and you and I as well. Well, when does God save us? When we realize our sin. When we realize that we have sinned against God, that we are in rebellion against God, and only Christ himself uh, possesses the right to say, rise and walk, that you are forgiven, that you shall live in the power of the resurrection of the cross. So we find that the sin, the world is reproved of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And so the Spirit's work would continue, and it would be a work that God would establish upon the hearts and lives of people. And so in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Now, as I have said before, the, the word Comforter is uh, the word parakletos. It does mean to counsel. And it is a kind of a legal term in a sense that uh, there is one who is able to not only counsel us, but also comfort us, and is uh, to go for us in regard to our need. And so the Comforter, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, comes to do a work in our hearts. And so, as uh, much as Christ would convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, we find the Comforter, in, re in relationship to the Christian, is essential in our um, 
spiritual helps to help us to understand and to know uh, how God means to exact his word in our lives. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So it is God the Son, uh, as he appeals to God the Father, he sends the Comforter to the early believers, and we find that this becomes an essential work within the church, that we might not only be comforted to be counseled, but that we might be encouraged and that we might be blessed of God. And so another point that uh, was important to the early disciples, to receive the, the Comforter. It was important. If Jesus wouldn't be with the disciples, who would, would be there to guide them, you see? And so the Counselor, the Comforter, must be there to guide them. And so uh, he, was, he was giving them these tools, as it were, that they might understand, these spiritual tools. They might understand um, how they could continue and endure during periods of persecution when it would come. Verse 8, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, as the disciples, of course, would later carry the message of Christ throughout this church age, which we know to be uh, the time of the church of Jesus Christ, the age of grace, we find that this whole process of convicting of sin, of righteousness and judgment would be carried out through the preaching of the gospel of Christ because of what Christ has done. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, as God the Holy Spirit would work in the hearts and lives of individuals. Sometimes we take too much upon ourselves when it comes to, to the salvation of souls. Now what I mean by that is this. We have to allow the Spirit to work. We can't do the Spirit's work. And, and sometimes I think, you know, maybe we, we want to do the Spirit's work. Uh, in a sense, we, you know, we want, we, we want to give the word out, yes, but we think somehow we have to do more than that, that we have to say it in a special way, that we have to make, make them pray a certain prayer, that we have to um, somehow uh, manipulate things to bring forth the result that we want, when in actuality it's supposed to be the Spirit of God who does the work in the hearts of the people in the hearts of the sinner. The Spirit of God has to do it. Now, it doesn't say that God doesn't use us. God does use us. I mean, obviously, that is the case. Otherwise, the disciples wouldn't be given this information. Otherwise, the Spirit of God wouldn't have come uh, to, to do this work within the lives of people. Now, we serve a, an important role. We are servants. We are, we are those who go forward to preach um, the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace, who bring God tidings. <clears throat> and you see, we are to do that. Uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit is to, is to do their work, is to, his, to do His work. Uh, we do our work, the Holy Spirit does His work, and God receives the glory. And then, of course, you know, Paul says in other places, one waters, God um, 
gives the increase. You know, one plants, one waters, and God gives the increase. We all serve that purpose that God intends. Uh, so we just need to be faithful in, in taking the message of Christ uh, to others and allowing the Spirit of God to do that work. Now, of course, the kind of the rub is uh, that when we are giving that message out, uh, we often get um, some, res- some resistance, don't we? We often get some resi- resistance. People don't often want to hear it. And so we have to, uh, we have to have, use a lot of, of uh, discernment in knowing when to give it and when not to give it. Um, and that's important as well. And so in this last portion here, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Uh, Jesus goes on to to tell them in verse 12. He says, I have many, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Now, uh, when is he going to tell them many things? Well, I think probably the spirit of God is going to end up teaching those many things, don't you? The spirit of God. Um, Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth. Now this all truth, of course, is those things which are yet to be learned as the Spirit of God is able to minister them into the hearts of the lives of believers. Um, we all need to learn. Uh, the disciples needed to learn. They, they had much to learn. Um, and from the very beginning, when after Jesus was, di- was crucified on the cross and died and buried and rose again, they, there was many opportunities for them to learn. We think of the two on the road to Emmaus. How they're talking with Jesus as they walk along the way. Um, they are talking uh, amongst themselves. Jesus comes along and he talks to them. They didn't know it was Jesus with them until he opened their eyes, their hearts as it were, to, him, to who he was. And then all of a sudden they realize this is Jesus. Uh, how many times have you have been taken by surprise by the things that Jesus says to you? And uh, it's just been a, a moment where you have realized greater truths, maybe even the truth that you should have known, and you think, you think to yourself, why didn't I realize that before? And all of a sudden it becomes more and more real to you. And the spirit of truth revealed it to you. Uh, that all truth is, is, of course, a part of what God intends for us to learn through the work of the Spirit of God. And thinking of these early disciples, of course, they were, they were at that critical period of time in their lives when they needed to learn those things, and they would learn them. They would learn them. And so um, he would guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. And here it is. See, the, the Holy Spirit didn't come to promote himself. But whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Now, whatever he shall hear refers to what Jesus would communicate to the disciples via the Holy Spirit. And that is also what takes place in our lives. Whatever Jesus seeks to communicate to us by the Holy Spirit, he gives to the Spirit to to communicate to us. Well, we often perhaps think about that portion there in in Romans chapter 8 where it says we don't even know what we ought to pray as we ought to pray but we pray and then the Holy Spirit kind of makes it more sensible to the Father in heaven to that our prayers may be more well received you ever pray kind of like 
bumbling. You, you, you don't know really what to say, but you want to say something, and you, and you just kind of ramble on in your prayer a little bit. And, and you can just imagine how the Spirit of God takes that and communicates it unto God the Father. Um, and um, through Jesus, of course. Um, and it becomes a prayer that the Lord... Why? Because the Lord knows the heart. He knows the heart, you know. And, and that's, how, that's how that prayer can be communicated so well. Because the Spirit of God who is in you, who is in me, is able to communicate that unto the Father, you see. And that's the kind of the mystery of it all, isn't it? How God does that. And it is a, a very important part of, of uh, our communication. Verse 14 he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So, God the Holy Spirit again, glorifies the Son, even as God the Holy Spirit receives those things that Jesus means to communicate to us. Therefore, uh, he shall show it unto you. Now, here is the, the work of the Spirit of God. He reveals it to us. Jesus doesn't... Uh, come and talk to us on the same level as he did the disciples but he sent the Holy Spirit to do it and the Spirit does that the Spirit will communicate to us what Jesus wants us to know and so uh, Christ in you the hope of glory becomes just as real to us Christ in us becomes just as real as the Spirit of God is in us because God the Holy Spirit was sent to indwell us and so how can both be true at the same time? Well, the Lord has... because It's true because God has said it's true. That's, that's how it can happen. It is true because God said it's true. The Spirit of God dwells in us, but yet the Holy Spirit communicates the words of Christ to us, and Christ becomes real in our lives because God the Holy Spirit was sent to do that. And verse 15, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So again, um, not only the Spirit of God is doing this, but God the Father um, is uh, also revealing things through Christ. Christ is communicating it to the Spirit. The Spirit is communicating it to us. This great work of the triunity of the Godhead is happening because of what God did through Jesus Christ and what God did in, in sending the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, into our lives as a comforter, as a hope, as a teacher, as a paraclete, as one who draws along beside us and who ministers and teaches to us the things of the Word of God, the things of Christ. And uh, these things God does. Um, Persecution, I don't think we should give it a second thought. I think we should just continue doing the work of the ministry, continuing to carry out the things which God means for us to do. The Lord will give us what we need through the Spirit of God to rise to the occasion if we are called upon to suffer more persecution even as others have for there were many 
in the first century who suffered all these things and still do they still do and they're in various countries of the world today suffering persecution and we should remember to pray for them as well shall we look to the Lord in prayer loving Father we're thankful Father for what you have accomplished and want to do with the church pray Father you will continue to use us pray Father that your Holy Spirit which was sent forth from you even as Jesus himself asked of you to send the Spirit of God that he remains our comforter our counselor our teacher he remains that one who was with us during all of the various kinds of sufferings and turmoils that may come our way even as some Christians are ostracized and turned aside and out from the world other Christians are perhaps killed. Some Christians suffer because of unbelieving people around them. Even by those who think they're doing God a service, some suffer. Others suffer because of their testimony for God and of their witness for Christ and of the Holy Spirit's work in them to show them faithful. Lord, we know these things to come have already been in the past because even the early disciples were told that they would suffer these things and so it should not surprise us that we also should suffer these things I pray Father for your work of grace in us that we may remain faithful in all things to the glory of God in Jesus name Amen